today's episode. Uh, welcome to my corner of the internet. As the intro stated, my name is Ryan Kramer, and this is Crossover Commerce. This is episode 169 of this beautiful show that I like to bring on the best and brightest people in the Amazon e-commerce uh, industry as a whole, kind of helping you get their valuable insights from their, spa uh, their space or their uh, expertise, if you will, to kind of level up your knowledge and help you just to grow as an entrepreneur or just as a brand. Or if you just want to get a little bit of a leg up on the com competition, this is the podcast for you. If you might notice, we are on video as well as this will be an uh, audio version as well on your favorite podcast destination. That could be on Amazon Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you might listen to your favorite pieces of content. That's where we will be. But if you're just one one simple destination, you can watch video, audio, check out the transcripts and key takeaways at usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast. Pretty easy, simple, straightforward, and engage with all of our past uh, episodes, if you will. So again, as we kind of kick this off, if you're new to the podcast or if you're new to watching or engaging with us, it's an interactive, if you have questions, interactive podcast, if you have questions for my our guests or myself, feel free to go ahead and ask in the comment section below. If you're watching this on social media, go ahead. We can watch and see your questions come up live on our screens and happy to kind of answer the best we can. If you watch this at a later time or hashtag deep replay, you can also uh, engage with our brands. Just go ahead and tag them on social media. And the best way to do that is how it is displayed in the comment section or in the show notes below. Pretty easy, self-explanatory, straightforward. So before we get kicked off, let me go ahead and just say uh, about Ping Pong Payments, our presenting sponsor, Ping Pong Payments, has helped over 1 million customers worldwide uh, transact more than $150 million a day for cross-border uh, companies and e-commerce brands just like yours who are saving more money, time, and effort when they are sending payments to international entities like their suppliers, manufacturers, VAs, anything along those lines, or if you're receiving in multiple different currencies in different countries, you can also use ping pong to save on fees. No one likes paying fees. Go ahead and put more money to your bottom line and sign up. It takes five clicks to sign up, and once approved, you can actually get $500 today in your ping pong account. Go ahead and do that today. Go ahead and check out the link below in the comment section or show notes to be able to do that. All right. Thanks, Ping Pong. Um, let's go ahead and kick off this episode again. Um, as people are in different spaces uh, of their business might know that starting a business online, it takes a lot of time, money, and effort, and also takes manpower or just, uh, just the sheer will and just kind of the focus of what you need to do in order to be successful seller, whether that be a brand or selling a couple products um, gone are the days where you can just throw a product online and, and maybe just set aside, at least initially, uh, just throw products online, be successful and really, uh, understand and be successful in terms of selling products, um, being compliant and making sure, uh, inventories in stock marketing's at, uh, a key point, everything's automated. There is a lot of groundwork you have to put up front, but there is ways to do that in terms of the sweat equity to later on go ahead and just operate as automated as you can be. And one of those people who have figured it out is actually with us today. Um, his name is, uh, their their team is, uh, his name is Tyler uh, Soli Sullivan. Um, we're going to figure out which to call him today, but we're going to call him Soli or Tyler. Uh, more formalized right now until we become friends of the show of Ecom Growers and Bomb Tech Golf. Bomb Tech Golf, his brand that he developed over time, and Ecom Growers is more of the agency um, that he's just developed as well. But Tyler is a founder of those brands and has over $20 million sold online since 2012. Big time revenue coming in through Tyler. He also runs Ecom Grows, where he and his team have helped countless Shopify owners add six and seven, seven figures in additional sales to their e-com stores by optimizing email systems and campaigns to help find hidden revenue streams online. That being said... I'm going to go ahead and bring them in because it's good to always hear from the person themselves about uh, the topics that we're going to be discussing today. And of course, that means we're discussing scaling a business with only, we said one other employee, he actually has two employees. So we're going to be going ahead and inviting on Tyler to Crossover Commerce. Tyler, welcome. And uh, thanks for joining us today. Yo, made it. Yeah, I, I, I doubled the staff. We're up to two. Uh, 
that, that's a lot. Look at that growth. Like that's 200% growth or 100% growth a year. What is, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you know, it's, uh, wasn't always the way, you know, for, for me right now, after nine years of the company is, is really lean. And I, I personally, as a dad, you know, believe in a business that kind of operates without me. Um, but that wasn't the case. You know, if you talk to me in 2012, I was working 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And I did it with a newborn on the way. And it was, uh, a different time, but after having two kids in nine years, I realize I'm not that important or smart. Uh, and I've, I've got the right people and agencies in place. And, you know, now I own two companies and I wouldn't say I'm a, an expert, but I have, I think realized that it's okay to be an owner and not an operator in, in, in a lot of sense. And it gives me a lot of freedom, you know, like today my kid wasn't feeling well, so I didn't work, you know, that's the only thing I've done today. Um, and it's one o'clock which is, which is odd to say coming from someone that literally did not stop working or thinking for like seven years or whatever it was. Um, so I think for me, and again, it's always personal, you know, it's like my family was the reason I pivoted to working less and, uh, in the reality sales and profits are the best they've been because I've removed myself as the, uh, the bottleneck, but it was, it was not always the way, and I'm very fortunate. I never expected to be where I'm at, to be candid. You know, I didn't say, hey, I'm going to go launch a eight-figure golf brand and then a seven-figure agency. It all just kind of was a um, me following where there was traction and doing something I really love, which was golf, and I still love. Well, that you touched on a lot of different things, and I, and I actually uh, I sympathize with a lot of those things, one being why people get into entrepreneurship, obviously, to have better lives for their families, or they, they certainly don't want to just work for other people. They want to either create, build, um, operate on them uh, on their own and really create a legacy. And it sounds like kind of that family was that tipping point, but you, you've developed passions specifically in golf, obviously. Um, were you, and again, I, I, I've looked into your background, but if someone's listening to this, where, where did that passion come from? Were you always a golfer? Um, did it since we were young, like where, where did that, where did that niche come from? That you want to yeah, yeah. Build a brand around it. So, yeah, golf has been trending down for like 20 years. So to start a golf brand in 2012 would be insane. <laughs> um, it's hot now with post-COVID. But I mean, so I, I grew up playing golf, played in high school, was used to be pretty good. Um, fell, you know, went to college, played rugby, didn't really play much golf. And then um, one of my buddies, this is 2000. I'm going to screw all the years up. I, I don't sleep much with two young kids. So and I haven't in years, but... <laughs> So I screw up all the years, but 2011 or 10, my friend was like, Hey, I'm going to this, uh, thing called world long drive, which is like a, um, home run it's competition, right? Yeah. yeah it's basically, yeah. And I was much bigger and stronger back then. Uh, but it's like home run derby of golf and you see how far you can hit it. And I was like, I don't even know what that means, but I'll go. So I showed up, I think he gave me a golf club to hit and he didn't qualify. And he was like insanely in shape and, you know, hockey player and whatever. And I qualified and I was shocked and I just fell in love with golf again, which I had grown up playing and I just became obsessed with how far I could hit it. And I had a, all these weird different configurations of golf clubs made, golf drivers assembled by a local club fitter. And I ended up breaking most of them, not from my muscles and speed, but from his inability to assemble a golf club, which is actually fairly simple. I just said, all right, I'll learn to assemble clubs myself. So I just became a tinkerer, just was just curious. You know, everything started from a curiosity and passion for me. So I started assembling clubs. One of my buddies, so I would go hit balls. I was like, can you make me one? I was like, yeah. He, and then he just like paid me some money. I was like, uh, okay. And then for no reason at all, I just made a website. And it was the world's worst website. This is like 2012. So like, it wasn't easy to pop up a quick e-com site. This is like, right. code. yeah, there was like coding. I had like cartoon characters on it. It was a joke. It was, it was, it was comical, but it was a passion of mine. I just started kind of documenting. And then I've had these epiphanies, business and life epiphanies that kind of have led me through this path. And I was on my boat, which was not a yacht, um, on Lake Champlain with my wife. I think we're just hanging out fishing probably drinking a beer and i got an email on my blackberry and i'm like okay email cool open it up and it was an order it's like you received 250 dollars from paypal i was like is this a scam is this real 
And that was my first sale online. And it, it, it was like, I think it was like in Ireland too. It's something ridiculous. Like I don't even know how to ship it there. It was, but, but I, I sold. How much does it cost to ship to Ireland? We I have to Google that real quick. Like, I probably, yeah, I probably lost money on that deal, but it was the, the moment where I was on a boat was such a jarring difference of my other life, you know, where I got a sale on a boat where I wasn't technically working in front of a computer or, or at a job. I just said, let me do more of that. that. That seems cool. And from there, it was definitely for me a slow, arduous uh, couple years of doing all the wrong stuff um, and figuring out slowly. But from that, I started selling some more, sold some more clubs. And then I was having some beer. I think beer is a big part of my learning. Uh, I was talking All the great things it. come when you're drinking a beer. Like, let's, let's just put that out there right now. So I'm an expert <laughs> at drinking beer. Um, there you go. Not that I can hang anymore, but no. So I was talking to a buddy from my frat, like uh, from where I went to college at University of Vermont on the phone. I was just like, hey, you know, I want to kind of design my own golf club. And he's like, you're not that smart. And I go, you're not wrong. And because it took me like five years to graduate. But um, so he, he's like, why don't you call the University of Vermont where we both went to college and see if they'll design a golf club? I'm like, that's cool. Let me let me try it. So I called them up. and They're like, yeah, we've got a capstone project where you can apply to work with a group of students every year. And I applied and they picked me as one of the like 30 projects. And I designed a golf driver with four seniors at UVM. And for some reason, I just, you know, I was just all for fun. I just started documenting on Facebook and just documenting what I was doing with no intentions of making real money. I just loved it and cashed in my 401k, probably because of the beer. And you know, I made like 50 drivers. And when I launched it, I did I did it with like, you know, Facebook and just getting people hyped up just because it was like, this is what I'm doing. Come along for the ride. And I think we sold like $10,000 of pre-orders on a golf club that didn't really exist other than the one sample we had made. I'm like, that's cool. Let's do more of that. <laughs> and it really became, and it just kept on kind of steamrolling of like traction follow that so we so we just did more on facebook and it was just me um and you know i was literally working at that point you know it was a side hustle i had a full-time job i was in sales and i was at a secure job and i was like all right this is my day job all side hustle bomb tech it was doing like fourteen thousand a month which some people like holy crap that's a lot that's essentially like negative ten thousand because i had to say is that revenue or profits that's revenue. So like as a e-com brand that you manufacture your own product, that's zero cash flow. You know, so like you need a lot of capital to make a physical good, especially when you're the manufacturer with the toolings. You know, so I didn't know any of that. I was just selling stuff and enjoying it and had a full time job. And until my boss pulled me aside on the week before Thanksgiving, 2012, I don't know, 13, 12, something like that, it goes, today's your last day and your last paychecks last week. And I said, let me go get a drink of water so I don't knock you out. <laughs> that was my exactly what I said to him. So I, I like calmed down, came back into the room and I'm like, dude, and he was a new manager. He just became my boss. Uh, I just was about to hit one year where I was going to be vested in all these like benefits, whatever, sure. for 401k. I don't know what, whatever it was. And I go, what's my job? And he goes to sell. I go, what are sales? Oh, they're up 200% or 2X or whatever. I go, how didn't I do my job? And he goes, it doesn't matter. You're fired. He, he just didn't like me. And although I was, I literally doubled the company sales in one year, which most people would be like, holy shit, that's amazing. I was fired. So that made me realize, wow, how, how fragile and how um, unreliable is a job because you know you think of those as secure and and to me that was like such a gut check but when i got home early from work my wife's like okay are you gonna make bomb tech full-time or what so she supported me wow. and kind of that was another pivotal moment or epiphany where i was like and we had a kid coming so we just found out my wife was pregnant too so that was the high pressure cooker environment that apparently i need to go for it and that year was probably the hardest year of our marriage, our life, the business, you name it. And we had a, a, a newborn. 
So I wasn't sleeping, she wasn't sleeping, and I was working legitimately every second of the day. So I was still shipping the clothes myself, assembling clothes myself. It was insane. I would not recommend that to anyone. Um, but it allowed me to go from casual side hustle to a full-time income in one year. And from there, we just threw gasoline on it with Facebook ads and paid traffic. You know, so we went from like that year, I think we did revenue like 500K. And then we went to 1.4 million and then four, no, 1.4 to 4.2 to six point something to like nine. Uh, that's like what we do now, nine to 10 now. Um, anyway, that's not was, per month, that's per year, correct? Per year. I'll be a nice month. Yeah. I'm doing it wrong. Nice I'm not doing 10 mil. Our best month, I think, is 1.3. But, um, but yeah, so. And now I run the business. We could probably definitely be bigger, but I'm a conservative, small-time business guy, and I'd rather not risk a ton of capital because we have no debt to to go bigger. Someone could definitely take the brand and make it bigger, but I just that's how I operate, you know, because I was I had so much debt when I started and working capital loans and stress that I didn't want to run a company like that. So I, a lot of what I've done is for my own personal views on on business entrepreneurship, but that was kind of like getting fired and the pressure, you know, and that's why when I had my second child, I took, and this is one other moment, not to go on the whole story, but I think it closed loops it pretty nicely. I said, I'm going to take six weeks off, you know, and that was like, for me to even say that seemed insane because I worked all the time mm -hmm. and I took six weeks off. And what do you think happened to sales? Just either maintained or you were, you were still good if you had done it right. That's what I'm assuming. They, they went up. And okay. <laughs> I said, even better. I said, I said, what am I doing? Then? Like, really, if I have two kids now or one, another on the way and sales are going up when I'm not working, I either have set up the right team or I'm just not that smart. I'm screwing stuff up. And I think it was mostly that one. Um, and it made me realize, OK, I have an opportunity after seven. I don't know how many years this is, six years or something to maybe claw some time back and live my life, you know, and and as a, a dad of two kids, they're sick of me now. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't have been able to say that um, if I didn't have those pivots and life moments. But I think that's once you have some traction, that's probably the hardest part is to, if you can really do that, because as an entrepreneur, especially a founder, it's very easy to strangle the business and want to have your hand in every single piece of it. But I personally just wanted to have it operate kind of without me. And now my best sales days, I don't even know what they are because I'm out golfing or I'm with my family. And it, it makes the business much more uh, potentially transferable if someone were to buy us, you know, whereas it's I'm no longer the reason we're successful. I'm not the lever to pull. I'm just a useless guy who founded the company. Um, so it, it's been a crazy ride, man. And I'm just, I, I do, what I do now is I do podcasts like this. It's fun. And I've got the uh, email agency where Clayview Agency Ecom Growers. And that's been exciting because it was actually my first employee at BombTech. That's my partner there. So now he's making like 10x what I could ever pay him. So it's it's been a wild ride, you know. So from doing all the wrong things 20 hours a day to two companies working, I don't know, four to six, four to six hours a week and golfing all the time. That's amazing. Well, I think for the listener out there, Tyler. I personally appreciate the kind of like the realness of the story because I think that's kind of the nature that people want to gloss over is, man, I, because there's this nature on Amazon that you can just find a product that's successful. You find the niche, you throw it on there, you have the capital to back you up, you can launch it and be successful and build a brand. You did it. You did a lot of this grunt work of not, it just fell into your lap. You found a passion that you actually would work on. You kind of did the product manufacturing. You learned along the way. There's a lot of like, I'm going to say a lot of failures. It sounds like in there, but then also with that, you were able to actually focus and by nature of the pressure of actually focusing on it full time. And again, that's what a business is all the time is you get it to a point where it can operate on itself or be almost automated. That's what I think a lot of people want to do. But again, you've also found the second thing I found really fascinating is you found this this center of I'm at peace of where we do month over month and it's still really, really good. Like you've probably found a level of income. That's fantastic. Um, you know, you know, your costs are profitable, you know, what to rely on every single month. And the growth factor is either relying on one or two other people 
and that's it. I mean, you're not you're not trying to shoot for arbitrary numbers like eight figures, nine figures, or trying to get to a, maybe an unobtainable number. And I think that's where a lot of people just again, you said capital is important, making sure you're not in debt, making sure you're profitable. All these things kind of speak to me, and that's why I think is really cool about the brand you built, but then following the passions of building another agency and other thing like that. Do you, do you find that, that whether you're, so first and foremost, your brand, um, you know, bump Tech golf selling just a direct to consumer, are you on Amazon? What are, what are the ways now? Like, where do you stand today? What, what's kind of that breakdown? If you hundred percent direct, we only okay. sell from the website. So again, like for me as a, a operator, like 2018 was a year where I tried everything. And that was the year it almost unraveled uh, a little bit because I tried this tactic, that tactic, tried Amazon resellers, and it just became more work and really didn't have an impact. Like we had a bestseller on Amazon, but it just, you know, I've decided I'd rather have for me personally a simple cash flow business that we truly take care of customers and we can control it. So like, that's why we sell hundred percent direct. I mean, email and SMS, in my opinion, is the only asset you'll ever own. Um, and that's right, why your customer, you customer avatar, you mean? Exactly. Yeah. So like if we go on Amazon and someone buys a bomb tech driver on Amazon, I can't market to them via email, you know? And so a lot of the magic of what we do is wowing people post-purchase, you know? So we lose that opportunity to really turn them not only to like, it's a great product, but like a brand advocate and really make it something special. So we decided, you know, we, we probably have growth opportunities that we, I just say no to because I personally want to run it in a controlled way where we own every email, email, you know, email and SMS of every customer so we can offer them new products. And we really just, it's more fun that way too. You know, we can do special things for them and really wow them with customer service, which is, probably the biggest thing that no one talks about. Everyone's like, I got great customer service. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, and it's like, well, you pay someone overseas a couple bucks and they send an email. We've got, you know, my two guys that are only, my only two in-house employees are customer service guys and they have full healthcare paid for a salary and they're golfers. So like when you call them, they will talk about golf because they're golfers. So it's, it's a different experience and they're only guiding light is do whatever it takes to wow someone like do the unexpected so they do things that if i was running the company i'd probably cringe and be like if i knew what they were doing on a, on a micro level if they sent out a free club i would probably say oh that may hit the pnl but in reality that small act will word of mouth build brand times 100x of what, what we could save on that so we allowed to give them that free free reign to really wow customers and that probably is the best thing i've ever done and that's my moat you know what i mean like the brand is the moat and then how we wow them because everyone anyone can sell a decent product right we have amazing products great story but then we go above and beyond to do things that no one really wants to do and invest in so that's like why my only in-house guys are customer service and it's usually the opposite <laughs> um well, i was gonna say yeah that, that's really cool because as a direct to consumer, you have to like you're driving the natural, the natural uh, customer flow doesn't you're not you're not in front of people when they're searching like on Amazon. Obviously, it's a marketplace. That's where people go to either search or do research or things like that. You naturally have to make your brand aware to people by driving external traffic to your business. That's why it's really in the space that a lot of people like to talk about of either agencies or different brand acquisition or growth. Um, accelerators or anything like that it, it's this whole other segment pillar that you have to really figure out it's the marketing aspect the the budgetary aspect and then the pros of it are you earn and own your customer avatar um and you can continually build out that repeat business um on a marketplace that may not be the number one focus or if at all um so i think that's really neat so your brand building selling clubs only or what's kind of like that breakdown niche like golf is i'm a golfer too i know it can expand into accessories it can expand into um uh obviously the equipment it could be anything from apparel to it it, it could yeah, we're, we're it very, can go across a lot we just different make pre premium golf clubs like that's okay. what we're known for full sets drivers irons wedges putters you name it and like the accessories and other things like I kind of have a 
uh, I don't know if it's an interesting opinion, but I just believe in, you know, only launching product if it's better and only selling products that I think are truly the best. And that's why we only sell what we have. We could definitely add more SKUs. We could become, you know, maybe like other brands and doing many more things in golf, but I just don't look at it that way. You know, I know our clubs are what we're known for and they are truly premium. So we just do what, what kind of works and what we're, we're, we're good at, you know? So we, we've definitely said no to a lot of like, you know, we've tried a polo, we've tried different apparel. So if we tried a golf game, like different things, and it's like end of day, bomb tech golf makes premium golf clubs. And that's, you know, that's a good thing to be known for. Um, we, and we don't launch products like every couple months, you know, we launch new products when they're ready and better. So like right now we're on, I think year two or three or in the current product line and we're waiting until we have something that's truly better. And I think our customers enjoy that knowing that, Hey, we're not going to launch a new driver two months after they just bought this, this driver because it's right. you know, the, the marketing cycle. Uh, so there's a lot of things that make us difference, but our, you know, we really hang our hat too. I'm derailing a little bit, but we're the no pros, no retail equipment company. Everyone else hangs their hats on pros and uh, you know, that that's great that they do that. But for us, we only care about the guys that buy our clubs, which are the regular guys like myself, like you that go out, have fun. And, you know, we're not on tour and that's okay. Um, so that's our target. And it, I selfishly make clubs for myself <laughs> uh, that my customers can use, you know, and that's kind of the fun part is at the end of the day, you know, not that I have a lot of say now, but, you know, I, I've made clubs that I'm like, Hey, this would be just a really cool, like I made this, uh, driving hybrid and then a uh, hybrid wood club that I just wanted to make. And, you know, if people like it great. So I do like, what I'll do is a micro test where we'll design something that selfishly I wanted, and then we'll see what our customers say. And a lot of our success of any capacity is having a conversational, um, is conversational marketing. And we do most of that via email, but really a good example of, and I hate tactics because it doesn't matter if you don't have the overall strategy. Um, but a good example of how I think of customers and, and D 2 C e-com is, is, is this. So in 2013, I made a video on Facebook and it's a, I hit a ball into a net and it sounds like a gun goes off. It's like so loud or a bomb. And I say, does your driver sound like that? And I boosted it for 300 bucks. And that video got 300,000 views, 10,000 comments. And at the time I was like, wow, that's just insane engagement. So I, in my, on my Blackberry, I commented until my thumbs were bleeding, like legit, because I wanted to hit every single comment. Not, not to, not that it would drive more revenue. I didn't even know what it meant. I just saw traction there and it allowed me one-to-one -one build, have conversations at scale, um, to build real relationships. And, and we use that in our email program. And that's where we've seen the most leverage is social media comments. We don't do that anymore. Um, but we have, we, we looked at it strategically and said, okay, Where's, what is the best use of uh, engagement and conversations? And that, and that for us is email. So, so we ask a ton of questions that we really want to know answers to, which I'm shocked more brands don't want to do this. Now, I don't know if it's ego or what, but like A, B, do you want this club or that club? Uh, like we'll have them vote, you know, like, or if it's a new golf towel design or whatever, like, hey, which one do you like more? And nine times out of 10, the one I think will win is not the one I picked. So, so that has taught me a lot of like, okay, I built something, found something great, but that doesn't mean I have the right to dictate what my customers want. I let them dictate. And by losing control of that, it really allows you to do some cool stuff and it allows your email to not only drive crazy revenue, but you have insane engagement. And guess what? You're in the inbox. You're not in the spam folder. So if you're overly designing newsletters with 50 calls to action and never asking questions or caring and, and like having real conversations in email, you're missing the boat. Uh, so that's just like one thing that at the end of the day, if Facebook ads go to hell, Google ads go, go to the wayside, can you ha email your customers and still be sustainable? And I would say for most brands, no, because they still need new 
traffic, new life, new blood. Whereas we have real conversations from customer service from me, you know, from the brand um, that would sustain that. So I think that's a big, it's not a tactic. You got to really want to do that and have the strategy to do it. And that's paid back, you know? So that's like, I don't know, one thing I think is really impactful, you know, is having that mind shift. You put value more in the repeat business in the customer journey and experience, obviously, instead of the acquisition of a new customer. That's what it sounds like to me. And that's, yeah, that's what's paid off for you. We definitely want new new customers, but they're only valuable if they're going to spread good word on the brand and they're going to buy again, right? So like, we don't want to just sell to someone once, obviously. We want them to have a full set and that may take three or four years. You know, we've got guys that are, since I started, that are have thousands and thousands of dollars of clubs because we take care of them. And the word of mind, and I think that's the interesting thing too, is like, for us, you know, the word of mouth on the golf course is game changing. So if we really wow them, dude, they're telling their buddies, they're on the tee, like, yo, check out this new club I got from Bomb Tech. And they like let guys hit it. And that makes our job so much easier, you know, and there's momentum with that. But that's also years of doing it. And I think at the end of the day, where I'm going with this is like as an e-com or DTC brand, if you're not operating with the uh the goal of caring about your customer you're going to fail and I, I think if you don't really want to learn from your customers you're going to fail and you know you want to be curious and my whole reason i did this was from curiosity so i i, I try to op- keep that perspective because it's also fun if i'm like hey we should launch this club and i'm dictating i'd rather have people tell me and have it be a real almost like we're on the same team. It's more fun and it's it's building brands with customers versus you building and selling a widget like on Amazon. That's So we're, we're really a brand, you know what I mean? It's a very different play than just driving, making some, I don't know, whatever you sell to make more, make income. I never did this with the, with the goal of making a single dollar really. So is that's my story, you know? So it's just a, a different way. And I, I don't think I could start another e-com brand because I spent so much time and effort to do it. You know, I, I just couldn't replicate that, you know? Well, and that, that is the, I think, number one thing that people, they can't tap into all these different times is you have to have a pat. I think that there is an unseen amount of power and effort that comes when you put in something that is, I'm trying to think of the word, to be honest, it, it just this passion that you put into a project. And when you're building a brand, there's this unseen revenue, like it doesn't have an impact on revenue or your or uh, multiple lines of your, your spreadsheet or your balance book or anything like that. It, it's something that's unseen. You can't tangibly touch it, but it's a feeling you get. And that's, that's when you ultimately become, that's what changes Nike from a shoe to a, a brand, right? It's the, right. the thought or the feeling you get from, when you think of brand XYZ, either the product or the name or the image, that's what you get when you you think about that. And that's what people have, have latched onto with Bomb Tech Golf. So uh, super cool story, I think. Is that something that you guys want to grow into, not just direct to consumer, but almost like wholesale or retail? Or how, how, does, how does that next evolution become that you feel like that there's still opportunity for growth, not just staying... Like, is there, is there a platform yeah, that you I, think I'm, the I'm next? Probably, I'm, I'm definitely the bottleneck in the business, you know, because coming from no expectations and getting it to where we do, you know, we've had, I don't know, four months this year, over a million dollars. It, it, it kind of, although it's been nine years, I expect it, but also blows my mind, which I don't know, it's kind of hypocritical or uh, counterintuitive. But there's a lot of things I do to not grow the brand based on how conservative I am with debt, cash flow. Um, so like other marketplaces, wholesale, Amazon, retail, I just, I don't have interest in doing that. You know, I, I, I like what we have. It, it drives tons of profit, it cash flow. And we can, like I said, we have those conversations direct to consumer. But yeah, you could absolutely take it to all the other channels. It just would add some complexity, you know, and for me with my life and my family and another company, I just, I've kind of taken it to where it is, built the brand, made sure I wow the customers and that's all I care about. You know what I mean? So it's, 
a lot of it's personal. I know other guys that have gone and built a hundred million dollar companies, you know, and I don't, I don't think I'm that guy. And that's, it took me a long time to think, but it's like, I, I don't know. I'm just a conservative. I think at the end of the day, I'm more conservative than I thought I would be. But I think if I came from a uh, environment that it's like, okay, let's raise a bunch of money. Let's scale. Let's have a ton of debt and let's just spend it. I just didn't start with that. I started with passion and it's like my, still my baby. And I just, I don't want to take debt to grow it. And it's been, I wouldn't say organic, but it's just natural to what I want to do. I'd rather stay, you know, nine, $10 million and be super profitable versus just growing for growth sake. Uh, someone right. could definitely grow it more. That's not me, but it would probably require things. I'm just not personally willing to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that could be an uncomfortable place to be in, but it can also be a very comfortable place to be in depending on who you are as an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people tend to want to, they don't like complacency, but they might, I won't even yes. consider you complacent. They want to continue to either evolve or adapt or I, I can, continue the, the, the evolution. need to constantly improve is one that plagues me to a fault. And I think if I didn't have the 2018 year where I tried every tactic under the sun and actually hurt sales, I wouldn't be where I'm at in terms of my opinion on stuff. So we do test new channels like TikTok, connected TV, new products, but we do it in a, a really measured way. You know what I mean? Whereas before, and like that, I bring up that one year just because I got caught up in like the, the over zealous, I don't know what the word is, uh, enthusiasm for me to improve. And I, I over improved and broke some stuff. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like it was drastic, but it was just, one of those things where I think fundamentals are key, you know, and like we have the fundamentals on lock. So there's like micro improvements we can make and we're always testing new things. But I think it's that is the hardest part is being an entrepreneur or founder is like you always want to make things better. And I, I get frustrated candidly some days when I've got nothing to improve. And so I, I try to take some of my energy and like wanting to make things better at bomb tech. And I kind of, I don't know if this is healthy, but I pushed those over to the agency, which is, a, you know, a newer, you know, it's three and a half years old. It's still small. We've got like 35 clients. So it's not as mature. So I, I put a lot of my focus and energy because it, it, that is a much more dynamic business. Um, and in my opinion, that has a ton of room to grow. You know, we're not doing eight figures there. We're doing, you know, like 150K a month. Um, so it's like, and I like to, as a founder only, like that business, I'm a co-founder, right? So I... I like to get my hands dirty there because I feel like I can help out my co-founder a lot because he's young. Um, it's his first company and I've done a lot of things wrong that I can help him with. So like having, like we have a call later today and, you know, it's exciting to help him out. You know what I mean? Because we can, we were building it, growing it. It's almost like those early days um, when I was building BombTech, you know, so we're kind of like, it has that, that feeling, you know, where it's like, we have a ton of growth. We got a good, good product and offer, but we got a lot of room to scale. So bomb tech, it's like, it's predictable scale. And we forecast it out for two years, you know? So it's a very, it's less dynamic, you know, and you couldn't be dynamic in, in a golf manufacturing company today because the lead times are so long, you know, inbound shipping is insane. So we've already, we're already stocked for 2022. You know what I mean? Really? So it's like, wow. gotta be, man. Like we're already, yeah. We used to roll like that, you know, when it wasn't as crazy, like, oh, we'll get some stuff here and we'll see how it goes and we'll sell more and do that. And that's, but to, I, I put intentions on, this is what we're going to do this year. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're going to spend. This is how much product we need. And next year we're going to do this and this is how we're doing it. So it's a very, it's a business plan. It's a forecast. But when you do that and you spend the time on those things, you, you, there's not many levers to pull you know, during the day to day. So like, that's the big change. I think you can get caught up. And when you're early days, like my first six, seven years, you're still learning all those different silos, you know, what to do and how to do it. So you can end up working a lot, you know what I mean? And and now it's like our plan set, it is what it is. And, you know, I think that's a better, healthier thing for a business. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're not working, pushing buttons and, and pulling levers all day. So it, it, there's not a lot of tangible work, you know, which sounds odd um, in that because we got the right people. And I, I believe like 
I don't know where I'm going with this, but like in a siloed approach for e-com at least, like we've got an SEO expert, an agency, email is my agency, and then I've got a paid traffic guy, a CRO guy, uh, and a 3PL. So it's like I have these experts, but they only do one thing, you know, and, that, and I pay them for that. And it's agency based because I like that because they see across 20 or 30 clients of what's working. So it's a, in my opinion, it's better than having one person in house trying to do all these different things that doesn't have, you know, many clients that they can see what works. And, and that's been, you know, my paid guy I've been with for like three and a half years and he runs our Facebook and Google, you know what I mean? And he does a great job and makes all of creative. So that's just how I like to run it. And it allows me to not have to, I wouldn't say, I was going to say something else, but manage them because they're an agency, you know? So it's, right. it allows me to be hands-off and the in-house guys are both remote. You know, we have no office. Uh, we used to have an office with like six guys, an indoor hitting simulator. And this is, this is kind of funny on a different tangent. And I'll never forget, like I'd be in the office all the time. Then I'd take a day off to go golfing or go skiing. And some of the guys would get upset that I wasn't there. And it made me realize that being in an office as a founder with employees actually may not be a healthy thing if you want to not be in the office all the time. So, so for me, that was another big pivot where I went, I went remote two years before COVID because I didn't want them to hate me or be like, why aren't you in the office? Cause I don't have to be, you know what I mean? So that, that was another thing where it's like, so I have an office, I'm in my office, but it's just me. There you, <laughs> you go. Know, it's just well, a place to go, you know? Well, yeah. And, and Tyler, I, there's a lot of, things when you said drill down and you kind of, there's not as many levers as you want to obviously pull. And I think the takeaway from there is if I'm a listener and uh, I'm, you know, just writing down all these notes from you, be passionate about the things that you do have a control and the things that you don't have time to learn for. Or if you're a team of one or two or three people, you know, there are agencies, there are people who, who have that scope and that thing that can take that off your plate. And you've decided to now focus on products, but then also customer service. And I think that that in itself really does make a brand of, hey, money can go at scaling these different things. And I wouldn't say that they're not important. Um, I always use, I love using this term. They're called minimum wage activities, right? Of something that is not going to build your business and grow, such as fulfilling orders and uh, getting, make sure they're out the door. That is just not time uh, <laughs> efficient for you. And that could be something that you can get back to either play golf or spend with your kids or that's like my biggest argument with a lot of these econ brands. And I we work with a lot of them at the agency. I'm not intimately in that business, but on LinkedIn, I have to hold myself back because there's a lot of pride and ego into having a warehouse and shipping stuff yourself. And it blows my mind because I would bet, and this is this was for me, I was on we moved uh three PLs four times, uh, so it wasn't an easy path. But going from shipping clubs from Vermont, which is the number one worst place to ship clubs from, um, I would have had to move. So, like, I would argue that any e-com brand that's shipping clubs or not clubs, but the products themselves are probably not in the right location anyways to be efficient from a shipping stand. We found that Wisconsin was the best location to be. So what we did is I did a shipping audit and said, OK, of the last three years, this is where we shipped the most, Florida, Texas, California, New York, whatever the split was. And we said, where would one location be to be the most ideal for shipping if we had a single location? And we just figured out exactly where it was. And then we just found a 3PL there versus I think it's the control and being doing something tangible where you're seeing the product, touching it, feeling it shipping it that can as an early entrepreneur sub five years in it or two years or whatever 10 years where it just feels like you're doing work and that's a really hard thing to let go so for us all of our stuff's barcoded goes to the warehouse i never see it never touch it whereas before when i first started i literally assembled the clubs myself and shipped them and took pride in how many clubs i remember i could carry from my subaru legacy i remember being excited because i had to do two or three trips one day and I was like, so it, it's 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 hard for me to say this stuff only because I've been there, and like, if you're if you're physically the one shipping the clubs, at some point you gotta say why. And really, for me, it's like that is like the fun part of the growth, and that was probably the funnest years were those years. And now it's a real business. I'm just the operator or owner, um, 
but yeah, it's just one of those arguments I get in a lot with newer e-com owners. I'm like, you're not, you're, you're in New York and you ship 90% to California. Why are you shipping from New York? Oh, yeah, we, no one else can do it like I can, really. No one else can ship a product as good as you. You were the best. When there's millions of 3PLs, like, no. Not only that, the shipping rates have saved us, like, location and shipping prices saved us, like, 300000 a year out of the gate anyway. So it's, like, it's a whole different discussion. But a lot of it comes down to, I think, ego and control. Um, and, again, it's hard to let those go because you're the one who started it, you know, if you're a founder of a company. So I get it, you know, and it's I can sympathize, you know. Yeah. What's the uh, one thing that still keeps you up after doing this all these years? What's the one thing that keeps you up and scares you in the business that you're running, whether it's the brand or the agency? I don't have many things um, at this point, which is odd to say. I think inventory sometimes used to stress me out when we were dealing with, because last year we sold out and last year we sold out a lot. So I kind of got ahead of that and ordered you know, two years in advance, which would did tie up some cash. Um, no, I don't think I have anything really that irks me or like stresses me out. Really. I just get sometimes frustrated with the growth at the agency because with an e-com brand, it's very much a function of how much, how well you spend money and you can scale. You know, like I can send an email in my, in at bomb tech and do six figures in a day. Whereas, the agency we're working with b2b ecom brands so we don't it's harder to find those brands and earn their business so we've scaled well you know it's up to like 40 clients i think at our peak but it's not like i can just go out and spend x and get 50 clients you know what i mean so that has been a different challenge that you know we're, we're hiring a uh, sales guy we're building on a biz dev program right now so that's the stuff that like is kind of cool because it's new I know there's tons of room for opportunity because our offers dialed in, our processes are dialed in, all that stuff comes from my background at Bomb Tech, so I could help my partner. But it's like some of those things where like I know we can get to like 150 clients. It's just can we get there already? <laughs> not not to say that the agency isn't doing well. We're a platinum partner, which is like your top I don't know 10 in revenue driven for all Clavio agencies. So we're doing great. But it's like one of those things where I can't just spend X on Facebook and get all these clients. And if we even right. do, like right now we do have an influx of clients um, that want to sign, but we need more employees. So it's a very different people business that is kind of new to me. So it's kind of fun. Um, hopefully I don't screw that one up too much, but it's almost four years now. So we're getting, it's almost like with golf and any, any business is pressure over time and the pressure over time grow makes you grow. And so over the e-com brand or e-com growers agency, you know, I think it's just we're a newer brand. And I think we just need more pressure over time and we'll get to 150 clients and, and be more established. But it's um, it's kind of crazy to have two incomes. And I think from a business model, the agency is really exciting because it's all cash flow. There's no inventory. Um, you do have the people it's out there. It's a service. It's a lot different. Yeah, exactly. It's very different, but it's a very different you know, a 200K or 150K a month with no inventory is all cash. You know, it's it's a very different business. So that that's also exciting to me because, you know, who knows what the future is for me. But, you know, that business model is at least something new that is, is kind of exciting. And we, we want to grow and we're just trying to find the best people. So it's like that's our product is the people almost. And it's hard to find good people. So that's been our challenge is. We have great systems. We're, we're really good at operations, but can we just become the best with the best people? You know, that's that's what we're trying to build. Well, and that makes sense too. And it sounds like too, each business to separate them out. If you, I were to ask you, what's motivation for either in this regards? Is it money or is it mission? And I love asking that question. I did it on LinkedIn. I did a couple of different things, and it's really fascinating to see the breakdown of where you are in your career as an entrepreneur or not. Would you rather be, are you currently motivated by money or you're motivated by mission? And it sounds like one is, I would say, if I had to guess, and this is just hearing from my end, the money aspect is more on the agency side. The mission part is more on the brand side, which is almost entirely, like it almost seems, initially seems backwards to me, but you built the brain first, therefore now it's become a mission component of create really 
like darn good products. And then I, on the agency side, I'm going to do something where there's opportunity. I know there's scalable. I have comfortability in knowing that we can make that grow and a little more money focus instead of, Hey, this thing's going to be super solid over here in my brand. Would that be fair? Interesting perspective. Um, I think there's just more levers to pull and effort and like button pushing and things to set up to make the business scalable at the agency. So it's like, it's not necessarily money motivated. It's just opportunity motivated where I feel like there's much, just more room to grow. You know what I mean? And I, I think bomb tech is a natural passion vision, but like e-com growers started with one of my first employee, what was my first employee at bomb tech. So it's like, he was my side by side number two for like four or five years. So it's like, you know, he has the vision and, and, you know, we're working on doing that. Cause I will say that is one interesting part. Cause like bomb tech golf is very simple to put why we exist. You know, we're premium clubs for regular guys, no pros, no retail. Whereas the agency is like, we help other econ brands, which is great, but we don't have necessarily a, a brand per se that we have something a lot. And we just had this conversation, which is funny. Um, we can't, I don't think we could draw a line in the sand and say, this is why we exist. We have a service that drives crazy revenue for different econ brands, but like, what is, what's the real reason we exist? And we're too deep in the weeds to, to grow it, to really get to that point yet. But at the end of the day, you know, it is frustrating as an econ brand who has hired and fired so many agencies. And that's really why we started that, you know, because I had gone through so many agencies that suck that straight up just are not good that when Chris and it, take a step back, when bomb tech started blowing up, people started messaging me to help them. And I said, no. <laughs> and then Chris was like, Hey man, I've been with you for like four or five years. Can I help them? And he was running all my email. I said, listen, if you can get them great results, uh, go ahead. So he closed three deals. I said, let me know how that goes in 30 days. He came back in 30 days. I said, Hey, I, I doubled their email revenue. I go, okay, what do you want to do? And, and he goes, I want to do more of this and grow. It. And I said, well, let's partner up. So we partnered up and I did, you know, essentially just his coach, you know, he's in the fulfillment and the doing, and then I have really hard conversations with him, but we have a unique perspective because he was side by side with me for so long in an econ brand. So we really get what econ brands are trying to do. And that's our advantage. It's an agency born from econ. Whereas most agencies have no idea what the day-to-day and econ brand as a founder is like. And that's why we started it. So it wasn't like I went out and said, Hey, I'm going to start another business to make a ton of money. It's like, people were pinging me like, yo, help me. And my employee stepped, Chris, who's now my partner, he stepped up. I was like, dude, I'll help him. And he had a tangible, very clear thing, singular thing we can do. And that's why we only do email email and SMS, but uh, messages. Um, so it was one of those things that was another moment of traction more than a revenue op. It's just like, okay, people are needing help. Right. They want our help. Let me see what we can do. I'm not the one to fulfill it. And I told him that straight up, I will not work behind the computer doing anything. And he's like, I don't want you for that. You're not, you're useless at that. <laughs> Cause that's how we worked at my business too. Uh, so that's been a really cool evolution. I think what motivates me to close loop that business, close circle, is seeing him grow because he's so young still and own a business that is, you know, rewarding and also compensating more than I could ever pay him as an employee. So it's like, it's more of a win-win because it's not just me. You know, I'm not an entrepreneur on solo island grinding away. I've got a partner and I've got a different type of experience than he has. So it's a, it's a good sure. synergy. Um, who knows what the next couple of years we'll do, but right now at the, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to do what is fun. Like, that's really, amazing. Yeah. No, that, that, that's something fun. And yeah. And I get, I know we're already at the top of the hour, Tyler, um, kind of to, to kind of round out this, since you've done both, you've done the service provider, helping other people. Again, missions are different. Each has a different cause and effect. And you have the brand. You were to, if someone approach you and say, Hey, I've had, yeah, I just kind of need like, what did you learn from starting this business when you did? And then also 
like what what advice would you give me for those kind of people who want to jump in to do something whether it's service or brand building what what advice do you bestow upon them that you had to give this is always i'm asked this a ton it's always the hardest question i get pinged all the time like hey what do you think of this i think it's up to the individual and it's like if you don't like it and you're naturally already doing it you're screwed so like i would never chase a trend it's like my best example of this i made a video when i used to make videos which i don't do anymore but because I, I did them because they were they I thought I had to do them and it turned into work. I was like, I'm not doing this. But I made a video talking about women's leggings. And it's like, I know nothing about women's leggings. I, other than, you know, my wife looks good in them, right? But I know nothing about smart them. answer. Smart. Yeah. I, I'm once in a while I'm smart. But um, so I know nothing about them. So why would I start a business? Because it's hot and trending. You're already going to, you're not going to have the right messaging. You're not going to know what the audience wants. You're not going to know what they're looking for. So it's like that, that business is going to feel like work every day that you work on it. Whereas golf, I'm already doing it. It never felt like work because it is my passion. So that's the biggest thing is like, you're starting a company to make money. I, I just don't come from that. So I feel like it's, it, that's like a P mindset. And I just don't have that, you know? So it's like, if you're going to be working and grinding and starting it, do something you enjoy. That's all. Cause it's going to, you're going to be doing a lot. <laughs> I love that. No, that's great advice. I think advice that can be short and sweet. It's not how to reinvent the wheel. It's do what you're passionate about. Make sure you want to get up every day and you still enjoy doing what you do, whether it be a, a podcast or a running brand or service or uh, going into healthcare or wh whatever it is. I, yeah. I know people who are just happy in their lives. That's the one currency you don't get back is, is time right and yep. you got to spend it and you know whatever you want to do whether it's spending time with money or family uh or spending it uh and experiences whatever that may be but that's really cool I, i'm really excited for you and the company uh if people are curious to learn more about agency bomb tech growth congrats on awesome gear because i know i'm interested uh, i need to check i check out more into the the website and whatnot um how do they get in touch with you what, what's the best way to engage with you or the brand or um anyone there yeah, if you golf, it's just bombtechgolf.com. And then if you're an e-com brand, we work with brands doing over a million dollars a year. We run Clavio um, and SMS, email and SMS at ecomgrowers.com. I have been fairly active on LinkedIn at Tyler Sully Sullivan. I don't know why I'm active on LinkedIn. I've just been enjoying it. I, I, Me too. I, I struggle with that because I'm like, I'm using this because I don't use any other social platform really. And I'm like, I'm using it, but it's not driving revenue. Should I delete this app? So I go through spurts of deleting apps and not having anything. And honestly, those are the best days is when I have nothing on my phone that's can distract me and I'm just in the moment. And it's I'm leaning more and more towards that, even though social media has built both my companies. <laughs> so it's I, I struggle with that's that. That's why you pay other people to do that though, Tyler. That's right. Yeah, I did <laughs> I did hire an agency to do my content and I was one of the, again, it was an ego thing. That was like the last thing I could hand off was social media. And I was like, I'm so bad at it. I'm almost 40. Why am I still doing that? And they started making content. And it was like a hundred times better. Um, so LinkedIn, maybe <laughs> it depends on the week. Um, but yeah, that's about it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, obviously we've linked out to the websites in the comment section and we'll obviously in the show notes as well. So, Hey, thanks so much, man, for hopping on. I know you, I love it when the only thing people want to do is just hop on a podcast like today. Um, that sounds that sounds like a dream to me. So yeah. um, I, I, I've learned so much and I think a lot of our listeners have learned a lot too. But hey, now friend of the show, thanks for hopping on. And whenever you want to go down another rabbit hole like we did today, uh, give me a shout out. And we'll uh, get you back on here for sure. Appreciate it, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Man. Thanks, Tyler. Again, everyone else, thanks you to uh, again for everyone who hopped on episode 169 of Crossover Commerce. Again, takeaways. Easy enough, I would say put passion before uh, profits. Or, I mean, they both work in hand in hand, right? A lot of people like to argue and say what comes first, passion or project, uh, profit. Um, I think I think you can live in a world of both of what makes you happy, where you want to have that vision. And if it if it's scaling really quickly and trying to grow a uh, five-figure business and you feel comfortable with that and you can live off that, that's amazing. You want to be the next uh, Nike or Bomb Tech Golf even. Uh, well, uh, you, you can do that too, but it, it can take time. It can take different avenues. There's no clear footprint to do that. And that's what's exciting about the world we live in is entrepreneurship, e-commerce, uh, just in general, the way you can get your products in people's hands, 
um, the passionate fans that you can work with. There's so many different segments and they're all fascinating and you can, um, you can be profitable and scale and build whatever you want. That, that's the opportunities are endless. So that's, that's why I took away again. Thank you so much, Tyler and, uh, Ecom growers, as well as Bob Tech golf, go ahead and check them out. Again, the links are in the show notes in the comment section below, go ahead and check it out, buy yourself some gear or, uh, check them out. If you're looking for a, a, a different, uh, agency that might need help with, uh, email marketing. Uh, I'm certainly going to look at it and see what they have to offer for sure. I'm Ron Kramer. This is Crossover Commerce. Thanks to everyone who hopped on episode 169. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care.